Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Your host, Nate Ryan, here with Kyle Petty, and we are here on the Monday after a Texas Motor Speedway race won by Tyler Reddick. Uh, once again, unfortunately, the winner was not the story for the second consecutive yep. week in the playoffs. So we're going to get to Tyler Reddick eventually, Kyle. But first, I want to start with the race, and this is going to be one people were talking about for a long time. Yes. And I want to go and start with something you said when we came back from a break on USA on lap 257. With 78 laps to go, you came back with Brad Doherty from a break, and you said, I think it's it's hard on these crew chiefs. It's hard on these drivers. They get paid to run as hard as they can. That's to win right. And it's hard on NASCAR at this point in time. 100%. What kind of call do I make? Where are the tires at? When does safety take the priority Absolutely. today? Do we have to run the whole race? We're past halfway. Parker. So I didn't realize it then, but you were serious. Like, yes. At, at this point, we had had yeah. an hour-long red flag for lightning. We had had this situation with tires being the crop up, and you were basically saying you felt as if the right call for NASCAR at that point was maybe just stopping Stop. the race. Stop. I still feel that. I feel that way today. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I say that, and I say that, and let me, let me put it in the context, is so we go back to Daytona, and we have a pop-up shower that's just – surprises everybody although you could see it coming for from 70 miles away and we wreck a bunch of cars so nascar airs on the side of safety and, and i i applaud them for it there was rain in the area there were a few sprinkles on the racetrack so we put them under caution we keep them under caution and then there's lightning in the area plus rain and you can see the rain you and we stop now we stop because of lightning which is a safety issue and we stop because of rain, which is a safety issue. We start the race, and every 35 laps or so, we pop a tire and put a guy on the wall and a car that we've already heard from so many drivers that they feel like the impacts are harder than they've ever experienced in their whole career. We've got a driver that's setting out, and Kurt Busch, we got a driver who left to the infield care center on a stretcher and Cody Ware. So we've already have, there's some, there's some flags here saying, hey, you know, we might, lo- might need to look at this. So we're just going to send our guys out there and say, let's let them go. Yeah. It's yeah. roulette, 35 laps. Let's see what number, whoa, there's a number four. <laughs> whoa, there's a number 19. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whoa, yeah. here's a number 47. And, and that's the way it seems. That's safety, you know, it's that stupid saying. We say it all the time. Safety never takes a holiday. Why did we have to continue? What was the point of continuing? You know, we stop races past halfway because of torrential rain and because of of things. We stop races because of lightning in the area. And if lightning stays in the area, we're not going to start it again. 
you know, and everybody instantly says, do we have lights? Do we have lights? Yeah, we have lights. I'm good with lights. I'm good with running at two or three in the morning. I'm not good with popping a tire every 35 laps. I'm not good with this car going into the wall. So, you know, I stand behind it. I was dead serious about it. And I'm dead serious about it today. If you're going to talk the talk, then walk the walk. And, you know, I think sometimes they skip. NASCAR will skip instead of walking the walk. They just, well, we're going to skip right by that one. And they skipped right by one yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we were out of tires. And we were out of tires, which, you know, golly, man, how can you run a sport where it's 20-some-odd million dollars a year to run a car and a, and a, a charter's up to 20 or 25 if we believe what's, what's out there right now? But you know what? We're going to help you guys save money. <laughs> we're only going to limit your tires. You know yeah. what I mean? We're going to limit how many tires you can have. Tires, Ooh. I think, are like less I, than 2,000. We're going to limit that. We got <laughs> yeah. you. We got your back yeah. on that one, yeah. uh, which is just asinine. Honestly, that, for me, that, uh, that's just doesn't, doesn't equate. And I've said that forever. Saving money and racing d- shouldn't go in the same same sentence, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's an oxymoron. Kind of like what you're saying that safety also should be paramount. Paramount all always else. should be paramount. You should make every call. Every call should be made from a safety standpoint. And I don't think that we should have continued. I yeah. just don't think that. Because at this point, I'm looking back at the box score, and this was right after the Kevin Harvick yellow, where yes. he had become the second leader. Second driver to crash while leading. Had happened to Chase Elliott earlier. It would happen to Martin Truex Jr. after it happened to Kevin Harvick. Chris Buescher had just spun. Yep. You know, as we talked about, we had the one-hour red flag, the weather for the lightning delays. And it just seemed like there were a lot of factors there, even though it was a playoff race. A lot of factors. Yeah. A lot of factors. And and listen, and I've heard drivers, Denny Hamlin, um, being the most vocal, slam Goodyear. And and that's undeserved. You shouldn't slam Goodyear. Mm -hmm. I, I think they're part of the of this issue so let's put their 33 and a third percent in now let's put nascar's 33 and a third percent in because we don't practice anymore we don't do a lot of this stuff so maybe these issues would have shown up i don't believe they would have i I don't i honestly do not believe they could have practiced for two days in 95 degree heat and i don't believe this issue would have shown up i think the cooler temperatures these guys running lap times that were within four tenths three tenths of qualifying speeds once they came back, you know, you're, you're just hammering it, man. It's just sticking with this tire, and it's, you're hammering it. And like I said earlier, you know, if the coffee machine says don't touch hot and you touch it, that's not the coffee machine's problem. If Goodyear says we recommend 40 pounds and you want to run 20, that's not Goodyear's problem. you got to take some of that liability too because you've taken a product that was designed for one thing, and you're trying to make it do something else. And you think you can make it better. And it does make it better. I'm not saying it doesn't make it better. But if it if it's, makes it better for a short period of time and then you have catastrophic failure, then um, that's a gamble you choose to take. Goodyear didn't choose to take that, so don't blame Goodyear. You know, you can't blame Goodyear for that. you got to go back to your crew chief. you got to go back to where you're at. So I think everybody's got a little piece of the blame on what, what went on down there. And for a change... I don't believe the track has any, 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 anything in this. I mean, they, they just run it. You know what I mean? They, they put their stuff down. They put the resin down. Everybody run through it all day Saturday. Everybody did their thing. Nobody complained. Uh, and even and I heard a couple of guys say, well, you know, the, the, resin, the resin, when it cooled off, you know, the, the speeds picked up. They quit running in the resin. They went to the bottom of the racetrack where it wasn't there. It's like 
the resin needs temperature. It needs something to make it work. So they went to a different place. So that's got nothing to do with it either. I think the track's maybe the only one that, that doesn't have any blame here. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like what you heard most guys talking about was because of the hour-long delay yep. for the weather, the track cooled down a lot, speeds picked up, and that was what created the loads yep. on the tire that maybe teams weren't anticipating because they thought it was going to be running in really hot temperatures yeah, exactly. where the loads wouldn't be as high, the speeds yeah. might be lower. So I want to move on to the tire discussion eventually, but before we leave the idea of shortening the race, because I think it is worth discussing, Hell and yeah. you were talking about doing it with 78 to go, which would be roughly, I guess, a little bit more than 100 miles to go in a 500-mile race. It's a playoff race. Playing devil's advocate, people might say, well, can you have the integrity be compromised if you shorten a race early? I feel as if... Even though it's a 500-mile race and you're coming up a little bit short, yeah. to your point, I mean, at that stage of the race, at that juncture, I feel like we had, we had sort of like played it out yeah. enough to reach a good place, right? So here's, here's the thing. And, and once again, we lose sight. I, I think and I, I completely understand what you're asking. Yeah. Okay? And, and the direction you're going in, I understand that. But I'm going to throw the safety chip into the pile. And that trumps everything. Yeah, which trumps, ev trumps trump everything. Trumps yeah. everything. I don't care what fans think. Mm -hmm. I don't care about your integrity. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care about anything. What that what I did was I just protected 33 drivers that were out there. That's what I just did, okay? I just had their best interest in heart. Their life, their livelihood, I just said, okay, we're stopping because I'm not, I'm not going to put a driver in danger. I'm not going to put a pit crewman in danger ever. They've said that. We're not putting anybody in danger. I'm ending it right here. So I don't care. I honestly don't care, and I, I will say this wholeheartedly, what a fan thinks, what the media thinks, what anybody thinks when it comes to safety. Safety should always be the top priority. So, you know, I, I think when you, when you looked at it, if you would have stopped it at that one point, you know, when it looked like that's the direction we were going in, you know, you'd have had a couple of guys that would have come out and still had their cars uh, and would have had decent finishes. But it's not, it wouldn't have shaken up. I, I don't believe it would have changed a lot of where we were at. You know, these guys had already had their issues, meaning, and, you know, Chase and some of those guys. And these guys were all running in the top 10 or 15, and that's kind of where they all finished up in the top 10 or 15. Yeah, and at that point, oddly enough, I mean, when Harvick crashed, yeah. Truex Jr. was in the lead, so you yeah. still would have had like a non-playoff Non-playoff driver. Again, not that that should factor yeah, into but it, it at it, all. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really change that landscape. I mean, you're right. Like, the safety chip is paramount. And I just want to reemphasize this, that it's not just about the tires in this situation. This is a little bit of a referendum on where the car is. That's right. And it the, is. The, the car is at a place where you don't want to put these guys in a That's situation right. where they're running into the wall at high speed yeah. right now. Yeah. You do not want these guys, you want these cars to stay off the wall at all costs. Because we, we've seen Kurtz. We saw Cody Wares yesterday. We've heard these drivers. Denny didn't run at Darlington. Because of the accident at Daytona. Right. Because his body was still sore a week later. A week later, his, he was still so beat up, he didn't want to chance it and, and get in another car. So this is not what we've heard from drivers last year, year before, year before that. You know, they'd, they'd race on Saturday and get in a wreck. They'd race on Sunday. They'd race on Sunday, get in a wreck, and be back on Friday in a truck and in an Xfinity car and whatever. But it's, it's a little, we're hearing a different narrative coming out of the driver camp yeah. a, a, about this car. And NASCAR has said, yeah, there, there, there may be some issues. We're working on them. You know, we're, we're working. And I, I applaud NASCAR for continuing to look at it and continue to work at it. And, and you know, the driver council with Jeff Burton and, and those guys, they are moving the ball. It's very small movements right now, but it's movement. And this was an opportunity, I felt like, 
for NASCAR or for people to step up and say, hey, they do believe this. They, they, you know, we do believe there's something here. We're going to stop this. And we missed an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The narrative is different. Harvick was tweeting about today that he was still feeling sore. He was doing like extra treatment on yep. his body today. We heard Alex Bowman say that after yesterday's crash that it looked innocuous, but That's it right. was like the hardest crash he'd ever been in. This yeah. is a guy who once crashed a sprint car and was in intensive care for a week. So yeah, yeah I think NASCAR and definitely needs to be mindful of what drivers are saying. The tires, Rick Mast tweeted that the Texas race reminded him of the tire war days. That was nearly 30 years ago. That was Goodyear versus Hoosier. As Rick Mast said, those were not a lot of fun. And you were in 100% agreement, as you quote tweeted Rick Mast about that. Why was this race reminiscent of the tire war days? Because you just waited for somebody to to blow a tire. You just waited for somebody to bounce off the wall and and be hauled off on a stretcher. You were just waiting. You know what I mean? And, And... you know, it was it was just a game of it, it. I know it sounds crazy, and people think that race car drivers have that thrill seeker, put it all on the line. Let's do it, boys, man. You know that right. you know swashbuckling thing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they don't. It's a calculated risk. You know, you you think about it. You you know who works on your cars. You know a lot of things. What we didn't know during that time was how hard you could run this tire, how far you could run this tire what this tire was going to do. So it was truly, there were races that were truly that you had to strap in that car and put on your helmet and say, oh, let's go for a round of roulette right here. And then something would happen and they would reset and we'd say, okay, who's next? And, and that's a bad place to be. That is a bad place. Ward Burton hit harder, more times than anybody I've ever seen. I, I mean, he was just, he would run that thing, man. And, and Rick, I mean, a lot of, a lot of us did, you know, we were a Goodyear guy. We, I, I never came off the Goodyears. One race, I ran Hoosiers, uh, because they wouldn't let the Goodyears run at Pocono. I think it was, that's the only race I ever, I ever ran the others, but it was not there. There's areas we need competition in this sport and there's areas we don't fuel is one of the ones you don't, that never needs to be a question that you've got better fuel than I've got or, or vice versa. And tires are the same thing that needs to be. It's the same asphalt for everybody. It needs to be the same tire for everybody so that that's taken out of that equation. And, you know, whether if we're going to run Goodyear's, we're going to run Goodyear's. If we're going to run Hoosier's, fine. If we're going to run Continental or Firestone or whatever it may be, I'm good with any of them. But just pick one. Um, it was not a good time in the sport. It was not a good look for the sport. And it was not a good time in the sport. Yeah, I, I did see some comments. Somebody who I respect a lot and who's opinion I value, but a little bit of the younger set, you know, younger than you and I certainly tweeted last night, oh, you know, maybe a tire competition yep. is worth exploring again, because like you said, I mean, obviously last night, Goodyear takes a lot of heat. They're taking a lot of heat from drivers and, you know, I'm not going to completely absolve them entirely, but yeah. tire competitions, especially in stock car racing, do have this checkered history, serious injuries, fatalities. Yes. I mean, that's generally what happens when you push yeah. the envelope with tires in terms of trying to make something that's a faster that's right product that's not as durable it is okay it is the team's job to push the envelope with the equipment they're given it's not the manufacturer tire manufacturer's job to have a finger on the scales on that and to say well this week we're going to daytona daytona is a big race man so we at x tire company we're going to do this we're not going to tell the teams but we're going to do this and, and it's a better tire for X number of laps, but then it just, it's catastrophic failure. 
So you can't have that. And that's what we had with the, with the last tire war here. When we had Hoosier and we had Goodyear going at it. It was not, again, it's, it is amazing to me that no, no one got hurt worse than what they did get hurt. If we'd had concussion protocols during that period of time, Honestly, there have been a lot of guys that missed a lot of races, and that's how simple it is. And you can just go back and check the files, man, because there have been a lot of guys that missed races. When we talk about tire management, Kyle, like what should be the expectation for, and, you know, we saw Rodney Childers tweet today about this. Uh, you know, you alluded to it. We heard Hamlin talk about this last night. We, we, we've seen Kevin Harvick come out on this. Elite drivers and teams in the cup series, they're always looking for, you know, the optimized setup. They're always yeah. looking for what is going to make us the fastest. And if they discover that as Rodney Childers talked about this morning, that there might be free speed in an area where we can, yeah. we can push the limits on tire pressure or a setup adjustment. They're going to look for that. But is there a fine line between being rewarded for kind of conserving your equipment, but also not being randomly eliminated because the equipment that you're being given doesn't measure up to the standards that elite drivers and teams expect. Yeah, there probably is. Yeah, you know, and, and listen, the simple answer is yesterday is is like, okay, well, just tell them all to slow down. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> I hear you. I, I hear. You. And that is that is the that's to narrow it down. That is a very simplistic answer that encompasses the solution. And it does, because if, I believe if they had gone from running, if they had stopped running those 2920s and 2915s and 30s and gone back to running 2990s and 30 flats, you probably wouldn't have had this issue because you're not loading the tire the way it was. Yeah. You're, you're not doing that. At the same time, at the same time, it is your job to optimize every piece that's given you. That, that's your job as a, as a crew chief. That's your job as a, as a team. Now... If I'm going to look at it that way, and I'm going to look at it the way Rodney and those guys look at it, then I've got to be responsible for the failure. I have to take that burden. I have to shoulder it, okay? If I'm going to run, if I'm going to cheat the system and run lighter frame rails, and, and all, if, I, if you could do that again, and, and there was times when people did that, you know, and light roll bars and stuff, and my driver gets hurt, that's back on me. It's not on NASCAR. So if I'm going to, Look for that free speed in a tire that I know when it has a failure is going to send my driver and my car into the wall at 170 or 80 miles an hour. Shoulder that. Shoulder that. And step up and, and, and take it. You know, put on your big boy pants. Take it. But don't, when it happens, point, that's Goodyear's fault. That's Goodyear's fault. They should have known we were going to do that. No. That's not Goodyear's fault. Right. I, will, I will defend Goodyear all day long for that. You know what I mean? I, I will. That's not their job. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's not. They give you what they consider the optimum tire, the range of tire pressures that are going to work. That's why they go test. That's why they run their models just like you run your models with your simulation. They do the same stuff, and they say, here are the parameters. If you go outside those parameters, that's not their fault. I am sorry. That is not their fault. I don't know what world we live in where you can blame them. And, and well, I do know it's this world. <laughs> but world we're living because in. everybody's blaming everybody. But, but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So, yeah. so if, I, if I am a crew chief, and Rodney's one of the smartest guys in the garage area and understands that, he is, if it's a Rodney Childers, if it's Rudy, if, if it's Alan, whoever it may be, you know, and I'm not, I'm not pitching. I'm just saying if I'm a crew chief and I make that call, I have to shoulder that. 
I have to shoulder that when my driver sits out for six months. That's on me. I can't put that back on Goodyear. I can't put that back on NASCAR. That's got to be back on me. So I think, I think some of that is, you know, it, it, I understand the mentality. But at some point in time, you have to look at tire management for in the, in the old days was here's a set of tires. If I just run them as hard as I can run them, they're going to be worn out in 20 laps. All right. My job is to make them last 30 as a driver. My job is to make them last 40 as a driver. This is not tire management. Okay. This is tire optimization. Right. Okay. Right. And there is a difference between right. that. Okay. This is not about tire management. Tire management, again, is making that tire last longer and the last part of the run be the fastest car on the racetrack, not the first part of the run. So I, I look at it at, at, at that way as they are just trying to optimize what they have found as a loophole. But along with that loophole, there is catastrophic failure. That's sort of what I wanted to get at, was that the consequences are kind of what is an issue here. Because Tyler Reddick says, hey, we knew that tire wear was going to be a problem. We noticed this in practice, yeah. and we were a little bit more conservative. He and Randall Burnett both said, look, if we're going to give up a little bit of speed to make the yeah. tires live, we're going to do that. It would just it would be nice, I guess, if Tyler Reddick could be rewarded for making that choice. But yeah. at the same time, a team that might have pushed it on air pressure is like the consequence isn't, hey, your tire pops and you go in the wall. Yeah. It's, hey, your tire just gives up a lot more, goes that's a right. lot slower over the course of a run. And, but it doesn't fail. Yeah, but, and that's what, you would, that's what you would hope. Okay, now, the problem with that is, uh, <laughs> and, and seriously, the problem yeah. with that is, is Goodyear brings a tire that they feel will do everything that you just talked about. And the drivers crucify them in the press because... They, it doesn't grip the racetrack. You know, it, it, it drops off too much. There's too much drop-off. There's two-and-a-half-second drop-off in this tire. And God forbid they actually have to drive the car because it doesn't stick and it doesn't drive the way it is. It, it should be. So to come with an ultra-safe tire to save the crew chiefs and to save the teams from themselves, Goodyear's going to get crucified. And, and, they, and they will. We've seen it before, man. We've, we have seen it a million times before. You know, so I think you have to go. Goodyear has been a protector of this sport. And I'm, I know I sound like I'm singing Goodyear's praises <laughs> and everything. But I want you to think, listen, you know, when I won that race at Dover on the concrete, Goodyear had tire issues all day long on Saturday. And you know what they did? Hey, boys, we're not running those tires. It's not safe. It's not safe. Everybody send home and send in this compound. And that Sunday morning, they brought in a different kind of tire, a different compound of tire. And we ran a race. We had a practice that morning and ran a race. And that was Goodyear raising their hand. That was Goodyear saying, this is wrong. So was it the perfect tire for that race that we ran on that Sunday? Probably wasn't. They just said, this is going to be a hard tire. We know it's going to last. And that's what we had to make work. So what NASCAR has asked Goodyear to do is we're going to take this new car to this track, build me the optimum tire, the perfect tire. Goodyear attempts that. If NASCAR said, we're going to take this car and go to this racetrack, give me a tire that will survive 10 pounds of air, okay, 140-degree track temperature, all right, and is not going to wear out. And Goodyear will say, okay, here's one. You know what I mean? And we'll do that. But that's not what NASCAR asked for. NASCAR wants... You want that speed. You want that driver saying, man, it feels good when I get down here. Man, you just go back to the gas and all that. You don't want the bad side of it. You know what I mean? But there's got to be a there's got to be a negative 
to have that type of tire. Or there's going to be a negative. I won't say there's got to be. There's going to be a negative on drop-off, on maybe no tire wear. And listen, maybe we go back to four sets of tires and no tire wear. If, you wanna, if, you wanna, if we're going to limit it, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I, I think you're just going to get crucified. Yeah. You know, they, and, and now we're back to perception as reality. And that's what has happened in the good year today. It's perception is they brought a bad tire. When in reality, they didn't bring a bad tire. The tire was used, it was used the wrong way. And, and I want to say this before we go, before we, we keep hammering this, is this. There were what? How many cars start the race? 38, 36? 36. 36. 36 cars start the race. Even though we're talking about a large percentage of seven or eight, you know what I mean? Uh, when you talk about, you know, Christopher Bell twice, four, and Truex and those guys, there are a lot of guys didn't have issues. Yeah. A lot yeah. of guys didn't have issues. A lot of guys that ran fast didn't have issues. Well, not just Reddit, yeah. but Ryan Blaney said it too, that they yeah. looked at the tire wear after practice and said, we got to back it off a little That's bit right. and be conservative so, to make sure these things So a lot of guys looked at it. So you can't blame that. You got to give those guys kudos for saying, hey, yeah, we see the problem. You know what I mean? Did these guys not see it or were these guys just willing to ignore it? You know, and again, I think I'll, I'll go back whether and and I'll defend Rodney Childers on this is I think they were in the former group, meaning they had backed off. They weren't that close. But when the speeds picked up to qualifying laps, then then they they were just close enough that they went over that line. Right. Um, right. On how how much they punished the yeah. tire. And that's where you ended up with yep. guys having tires fail every 35 yep. laps. But meanwhile, I'll, I'll just say it. We'll put a period on this by saying this. Uh, I think Reddick, Logano, Blaney, I think they all went the last run on 63 laps yep. on their tires. Yep. So there's something to be said for that. All right, moving on to the next controversy. Mm. William Byron versus Denny yes. Hamlin. So Denny Hamlin squeezes Byron into the wall. I see my camera one felt he had done it accidentally, that they didn't make contact. Byron felt very aggrieved. He hits Denny Hamlin under the next caution when Martin Truex Jr. had spun out from the lead. Byron tells Parker Kligerman. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he ran me out of room and bent the toe link, and it's we're lucky we finished. So, yeah, I didn't mean to yeah, obviously spin him out over there, but I'm obviously, you know, pissed off and um, just not going to get run like that. We've always run so well um, or raced so well together, so I don't, I don't know what it was all about. I mean, the 19 took his air away, and he ran out of racetrack, so he chose to run me out of out of racetrack completely. And again, like, look, it's not like it was just light contact. Like, I mean, I thought we were going to be done. So, so you ran into him off purpose off turn four. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, yeah. I went to go show my displeasure. I didn't mean to, you know, hit him and uh, spin him out. I, there's a ton of guys that do this and um, and go do something like that. I see it all the time. So. Um, but yeah, I'm just not going to get run like that. And, um, yeah, there's really no reason. I mean, we're running second and third, I think, and, um, you know, had a shot to, to win and killed our car for sure. So, um, that was a bummer. Will you talk to him about it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. We'll, we'll probably talk. I mean, look like we've never had issues, so I don't, I didn't really get it, but I'm not just going to be like, oh, don't normally have issues with this guy. I'm not going to be mad about it. So. It was, uh, yeah, it was uncalled for, and um, I feel like we handled it. Denny tells Kim Kuhn. I guess we can just wreck each other under caution. I, I tried to wreck him back, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't think we touched. I, I, I got to look, but I, I don't think we touched. But, obviously, uh, he sent us through the infield on under caution. 
He said he likely needs to talk to you, but you guys haven't had any prior incidents. What's that conversation going to be like? I mean, you know, I, I, I keep hearing these guys, but, I, you know, I've just, I'll just add it to the list of, of guys when I get a chance. They're going to get it. Going to get it later in the playoffs, or is this something that carries over to next year? It all, it all just works itself out. We'll be racing each other at some point, and he'll lose a lot of spots because he's, you know, racing me. So it's just, uh, it's this is hard racing, obviously. Um, I'm fine with hard racing, but recommend me under cautions. Obviously, uh, not what we were uh, uh, bargain for. Let's work our way through this, I guess, starting with, because NASCAR didn't act here mm -hmm. because they said that they didn't have eyes on William Byron spinning Denny Hamlin under caution. Should Byron have been penalized, first of all, if NASCAR were to see it? Do you feel like NASCAR missed a call there that they should have penalized William Byron for what happened? That is a great question, because I'm going to say if you spend somebody under caution, the answer is yes, you yeah. should be penalized. Because, now I'm going to go back, I'm going to throw my safety chip <laughs> back in. <laughs> because you have safety workers on the track. When the whole point of a caution is stop, slow down. We've got somebody in trouble. We got to send somebody out there. Okay. I think drivers forget that too. I, I think a lot of people forget that. That's, that's the caution means slow down, man. We got to get some, somebody needs help. So I, I think you should be penalized. There should be ramifications for running into somebody under caution. Now, I don't know. I, I've not seen the ratings for yesterday's race. Nor have I. Yeah, but let's just say, let's just say a million and a half people watch the race. So you're telling me a million and a half people saw it, <laughs> and the people in the in NASCAR standing in their little suite up there didn't see it because we talked about it forever throughout uh, that caution. That which whole was caution, eight laps long. Yeah, we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, which was eight or ten minutes. Yeah. So some, I, I I can't believe they missed it. I, I don't I don't buy that. Okay. I don't believe, honestly, when you see his in-car camera, when you see, when I see his in-car camera, I believe he meant to run up there and, in the words of the great Dale Earnhardt Sr., rattle his cage. Byron did. Byron to did. Him. You know, okay. bump him and say, don't yeah. appreciate it, dude. Yeah. I think he caught him just right as they come through that little trial right there and just mm -hmm. sent him out in the grass. As one car, we talk about him, we talk about these cars not lining up and not, not being able to push all the time, you know what I mean, and being in the wrong place. If you watch Denny's car as, as they come through there, it moves to a certain – he hits him in the wrong place and sends him around. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Only two people know. Only one person knows. William Byron. He's the only one that knows. Okay? So you, we, can, we can talk about it. But it did send him out through the grass. So if I'm going to penalize Byron, i got to penalize him now. Okay? To come back on a Tuesday? No. I'm not going to penalize him. That's got to be back on me as, as the official. It's like watching an NFL game – on Monday morning as an official and saying, I missed that call. You just missed it. I can't go back and, and take that holding call. Totally changes the game. You let the game go and you miss the call. That's back on you. So I think NASCAR has to take responsibility for that and say, miss the call. We're not going to let it happen again. We'll put more eyes on TV cameras or on monitors, whatever. We'll do the best we can. Just as NASCAR had, again, had rain at Daytona, and yesterday just stopped and said, we're not going to let it rain on this racetrack. They learned from their mistake. Okay? Learn from this. You, if you truly miss this call, then you can't call it. Making a call on a Tuesday is, is worse than, than the comments they said we didn't see it. Yeah, it doesn't feel right to me to retroactively no. punish him. I think they might, but I agree with you. Which and it also, it also feels wrong to me in that the guy who really 
got hurt here was Denny. Cause yeah. Denny went from being third, second right. or third or whatever to being way back in the pack and had to work his way all the way back right. through traffic and got up to finish 10th, but you know potentially could have won the race. It doesn't address that at all. I don't want to put you on the spot, KP, but no, that's right. I mean, multiple NASCAR officials, uh, namely Scott Miller, said... When we were in the tower, we were paying more attention to the actual cause of the caution uh, up there and dispatching our equipment. Uh, the William Byron, Denny Hamlin thing, we had no eyes on. We saw Denny go through the grass, and by the time we got to uh, a replay that showed the incident well enough to do anything to it, we'd gone back to green, but um, I'm not sure that um, that issue is completely resolved as of yet. So we'll be looking at, uh, we'll be looking at that when we get back to, back to work. But as I said, as we said, they had eight laps under yellow to sort yep. this out. What do you think is going on in the scoring tower? No right idea. Now? No idea. No, and I've never been privy to set in a race and see how, how hectic it gets. I know it gets hectic. Listen, it's like mission control. You're trying to land a man on the moon, and you've got 40 of them on the race track, or 38 of yeah. men on the moon trying to find their way. So I, I know it's incredibly hectic. I give them that. But, you know, you've got, you've put all these officials on pit road. Uh, you've put cameras on pit road. You know when there's equipment outside the box. You know when somebody's over the wall that much too quick. You know, you've got all those replays. You've got all that. How could you not have this? How can you not have this? Right. This is actually on the racing surface. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's actually there. And they you have know? an in-car video yeah. of, of Byron. Yeah. You've so got all this stuff. Been, you've got so yeah, many so many different things. So I, I don't I, – I, th- I felt like and, – and I said it bef- before we started is – and I hate to say it but, it, but this is how I feel – is they were better off not to say anything. Just say we missed it, that's it, if that's what you want to say. But the explanation, it's like you can sit there and be quiet and have people think you don't know what you're talking about, or you can start talking and remove all doubt. And they started talking, and they removed all doubt that they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, I mean, it, it was just one of those things where it's like they should have not said anything. I would have not said anything, I believe. Step away from all that. Lord Byron, this felt a little bit out of character for young William. Yes. And it took me back to when he got wrecked at, Darlington, yeah. where he got bumped out of the lead by Joey, it almost seemed as if he was trying to send a message not just to Denny, but maybe to everybody. Like, hey, I'm tired of getting pushed around here. Did, yeah. I, even though, again, like I don't think he and Denny really made contact. It almost felt no. as if he was kind of over-identifying with what was happening. What would you make of what happened? So here's what I made. Here's what I took from it. I think it made me, I think what happened, honestly, made me look at Darlington a little bit different. Huh. Because I didn't think that what he and Joey did, he, he getting into Joey and, and taking the lead, I didn't think that was a big deal. I just thought it was racing. Byron, William gets hit, and he's kind of calm when the race is over with. So yesterday, he's racing, and he doesn't get touched, but really what happened was 300 yards before they get to the end of the corner is when the wreck started, okay? Because Denny pa- gassed up, powered up, and they just started to drift that way, drift that way. Then Denny realized they were too far out, and you can see the fire come out of Denny's tailpipes as he che- off as throttle. he checks up. Yeah. Denny checks up and turns, but it's too late. That started way back over there. Yeah, you I mean people look right here, but that's not where it that's not where it started. It yeah. started way back over there. What Byron was mad about there was he felt like Denny drove him up there, and he probably felt like he did it on purpose. You know what I mean? Whether Denny did or not, I, don't, I know only Denny knows that side of the story. But that's what he felt like, and he felt like, I don't appreciate the way you raced me. Darlington, I go back, and he was like, yeah, I raced you wrong. I'm, I'm guilty. 
so I'm not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And that's what I took from it a little bit was to say maybe he did take some responsibility <laughs> for what went on in his quiet way. Yeah. What he's saying here is, I, you know, it, it's he, he, God, this kid so much reminds me of Jeff Gordon. Yeah. In, in a yeah. lot of ways where poking, 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 <laughs> he does nothing. Yep. And then s- you poke him one time. And it's like, oh my gosh! The tiger comes. It's out. the Incredible yeah. Hulk. Where'd he come from? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so many, so many similarities on how he does things, and the way he reacted to this really surprised me. Yeah. When I, when Same. I heard his interview, it really it surprised me too because I thought, whoa, William, man, that's pretty good there. Yeah. But I think I think it was. It's a broader message to say, I deserve to be here too, man. Mm-hmm. I deserve to be here. I deserve to be racing. I deserve to be where I'm at. We had fought our way back, and he felt like, uh, and he said it, that took us out of the win. That, that took the win away from us because it messed up our car just enough that it took the win. And he, I can't argue that because he had a fast car all day long. It's a great Jeff Gordon comparison all the way down the car number. Hadn't thought about yeah. that. It's time for our Motor Mouths of the Race presented by eBay Motors. And this is where we talk about a quote from the race weekend. And this quote comes from the race winner, who I did promise we'd get to eventually, Tyler Reddick, who now has won twice since announcing his impending departure in 2024 for 2311 Racing, and now has won once since RCR announced that Kyle Busch will take his number eight team next season for Richard Childress Racing. So Tyler Reddick was asked after the race, you know, how things are going with the number eight crew. And Tyler said, I love my team. I've never been as close as I am with this group as, as I have been with as, with anyone else. And, um, you know, it, it's a type of bond and 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 a group and the friendship that we have that will outlive our tenure together as as a, a driver and as a team you know we're already joking around about you know and in, in years down the road when when i'm running somewhere else we'll probably still be doing the same things we're doing now we'll probably still be spending spending time together hanging out doing that sort of thing that's just who we are so yeah we're, we're making the most of this for sure you know it, it is unfortunate that things do have to come to an end and as it turned out you know it's coming to a close a little bit sooner than we all initially thought when, when I made my announcements. But uh, it's the direction that, that RCR needs to take for for their long-term goals, and I understand that. But they're a great team, and they're going to have a lot of fun, and they're, they're getting a really good driver. If I could go through the list and pick a driver, that's the guy. So for, for my team and those guys I care about a lot, I'm really glad they're going to have him. So in my question, Kyle, is that normally we see situations like this implode. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the number eight team, I mean, yeah, they're out of the playoffs. They made the playoffs and now they've been eliminated from contention, but they're still winning a race here. They won a race after Tyler Reddick announced he was going to go to 2311 in 2024. So what do you make of this? Like, is it surprising that he can still have the success with the team he knows he's leaving? No, 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 no. Because I, I think they have, I, I think what he said there, I, I, I will take this. I, I will break this down in, into a couple of different areas. I, I, I do believe that, he believes in them, and they believe in him. And they have, from the first time he set his little rear end in that car, Randall Burnett, that, that group, just believed in, in Tyler Reddick. They just believed in what he could do. You know, when Ch- Childress tapped him on the shoulder and said, come on, Childress believed in him. So he went to an organization that they believed, you know, and, and, and they believed they could do something, and they've done something. And they've got better and better and better and better. And – you don't, just because I'm going somewhere else or, or you're going somewhere else, doesn't mean we can't be friends and can't, that you don't believe in me. Now, the hierarchy, meaning Richard and them, I, I'm sure there's some harsh feelings there, 
from the standpoint of business. But that doesn't, the business side did not change Richard Childress's belief that Tyler Reddick could drive a race car. It just didn't. You know what I mean? It didn't change any of his crew members. So having said that, I like what Tyler had to say. I like what he complimented Kyle Busch and what he has to say there. This is the predicament that this team and RCR finds themselves in, is they have to continue to perform to sell sponsorship and to show Kyle Busch that this is a good team, that this is a team he can come to and win races, that this is a team that if he believes he can win championships, they believe in him too. So they can't just fall off the face of the earth. They can't just quit giving Tyler Reddick stuff. They got to continue. You know, that you're, you're down that, you, you've reached that point of no return with six races to go. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's only six races. You, you, and you say, it's only six races. You got to keep winning races. Well, man, that's <laughs> what we've been trying to do all year is win races. You know right. what I mean? But you're at that place where they can't back away from that. They have to. So it doesn't surprise me that RCR, uh, it doesn't surprise me in Tyler Reddick. It doesn't surprise me in anybody that works on that car and any of those people that do anything at RCR because they're racers. All those guys are. You know, and, and they've not been up to, to where their standards always were in recent years. I've said that, and I'll, and I'll stand by that. But at the same time, they're still racers, man, and they still go to the racetrack and want to win. So that good on Tyler Reddick for, for what he had to say there. That was, that was a good yeah. – that was good stuff. I think it tells you a lot about why the team yes. believes in him and why they've continued to have success. That was our Motor Mouse of the Race presented by eBay Motors. At eBay Motors, you can be your own pit crew with 122 million parts right at your fingertips. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. So we're about to ride on out of here so you can do NASCAR American Motor Mouse. But before we do, Talladega up next. Ooh. So as if Texas... <laughs> Isn't <laughs> crazy enough. There is still no one locked into the third round, yep. no one locked into the next round. We have had our fourth consecutive race in the playoffs without having playoff points from a win game by the winner. We started with three yeah. non-playoff drivers winning. Now we have Tyler Reddick win. He's eliminated from contention. So what strikes you about these playoffs and that no one is really seizing it by the throat? No one is locked in going to the most terrifying track now yeah. on the circuit. This is the piece that surprised me. And I, I said it yesterday. I, I said a couple things that it's like, a couple of years ago, we had the big three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're sitting here. We are sitting here with six races ago, and, and a few years ago, we had the big three. And now we sit here, and the question is, who's it going to be? It, so it went from the big three to who's it going to be? And yeah. it's like, that's fascinating. In this short a period of time, in this sport at this level, nobody has, has taken it. Joey Logano has been as good as anybody else. Christopher Bell was until this last weekend, you know, with, with his finish. But they're still not... They're not dominating performances. This is just like a sea of mediocrity. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, I, and I, yeah. and I hate to say that no, because these are the best that we have. Yeah. But nobody seems to want to rise or catch the wave and ride it all the way to Phoenix. You know, nobody nobody has done it yet. And and and, and it's not that they're not trying. That's right. the fascinating right. part to me. It's not that they're not trying. They just can't get their head above water. They just they just can't get going. We we did the thing yesterday on. Who's the next four out? And everybody, except for me, everybody <laughs> picked both both track house drivers. Chastain's your man. Yeah. Every, everybody <laughs> yeah. picked Chastain's yeah. and Sawyer. Yeah. Yesterday, they gained more points yep. per organization right. than any other organization. Any other organization. Chastain right. moved to second. You know, and and, yep. and this and I think Daniel's sixth or seventh or eighth or right. He's above the cut line. Yep. So you look at it and you think, 
Okay, how did that happen? How did all the pundits say you're out and then they do this? You know what I mean? It's back to me and, and Alex Bowman. But at the same time, it's like, that's what fascinates me. And now we have to go to Talladega and the Roval in this round. And, you know, and that's why I picked somebody. I picked Denny Hamlin to be out. You know, I picked the 12 car of, of um, Ryan Blaney to be out because they've not grabbed this opportunity by the throat yet. What makes you think they're going to do it at these two places? And and I and listen, I'm hoping they do, because I think Denny has had one of the best seasons, you know, and and the big pitcher of of the year. I think he's had one of the best seasons. But you can't make mistakes. You can't do things, and you can't have things like yesterday happen. Make another driver mad, and then he sends you to the back, and that's the way it is. So I am fascinated. I, I also, and if Talladega prints it, please. Just send me my, my percentage because I said Talladega should have the have, have a T-shirt made that says um, <laughs> the original, the original wild, card. wild card established <laughs> 1969 because that's what they've been. Since 69 and they first went there and had tire issues, it's been a wild card race. So many first-time winners. So many things have happened there. So, and, and that's what should scare these guys. That's what should scare these guys that are in the playoffs going there is anything can happen on any lap. You could lead this thing all the way to the final lap. Eric Jones coming out of turn four and finishes ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. Uh, we've seen it so many times that the guy leading or running second just barely finishes in the top 15th or, si- or 15 or 16. So it, it's, a, it's a fascinating place. It's going to be yeah. a crazy weekend. No one is safe from Joey Logano, 30 points above the cut line, to Alex Bowman in 12th, 30 points below the cut line. Anybody could fall out, but... I like Ross Chastain, 18 points above in second, and he won the most recent race at Talladega. And don't forget, this man has him <laughs> in his championship for. Yes. Uh, which is why we love having him on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. We appreciate Kyle Petty for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Thanks to producer Aaron Feldstein and motorsports manager Emily Convoy for coordinating KP's appearance. The NASCAR Cup Series heads to Talladega Super Speedway this weekend. Coverage gets started Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Check out NBCSports.com NASCAR for detailed schedules, start times, and coverage, as always. And every Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on USA, it's the new docuseries, Race for the Championship. This is the inside look at the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. In the world of NASCAR, every driver has their story, the new docuseries Race for the Championship will give you an all-access pass behind the scenes like you've never seen before. Catch Race for the Championship Thursdays at 10 Eastern, 9 Central on USA. And if you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Whether you're shopping for grads, getting an early gift for dad, or just looking for a little something new or used for your shelf, you'll find it at HPB. And you'll get almost everything for an extra 20% off during the big sale at Half Price Books this Memorial Day weekend. Saturday, May 25th through Monday, May 27th. Save big in-store at your local Half Price Books and at HPB.com. Offer cannot be combined with other coupons. Exclusions apply. To learn more, visit HPB.com. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. 
between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.